0: episode 423 could you give up drinking bell Robertson? new weekly awaken your alpha woman show to be released every monday on top of our regular thursday show let us know if this is something you want more of through sharing subscribing and leaving us a review this format will initially run for a few months please do reach out share and let me know what you think but let's dive into this one this is powerful stuff the Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Hi, I'm Adam Lewis-Walker, founder of Awaken Your Alpha, the number one personal leadership podcast. It is also a best-selling book, Awaken Your Alpha, Tales and Tactics to Thrive, and also a TEDx talk, Awaken Your Alpha, How to Rise Up. You can see a theme here, but please do check these out. If you like the talk, if you like the podcast, you will love the book. The book is the best of the best, and it's available on Amazon. This podcast is brought to you by the Talk Accelerator. Helping thought leaders increase influence, income, and impact by achieving their talk. If you'd like to find out more about how you can get onto the red spot, please do head over to talkaccelerator.com. That's talk, X, C-E-L-E-R-A-T-O-R.com. How to secure and smash your own TEDx talk. Get to the podcast. I've never had an interview like this before. We have <laughs> Belle Robertson. She is the sober coach. <laughs> um, and so we're gonna jump straight <laughs> into that but firstly Belle are you ready to awaken your alpha today
1: yes absolutely it must be awoken yes <laughs> awesome. it must be
0: <laughs> so I've just been finding about your origins we have sort of switched sides of the Atlantic tell us what you're all about
1: A sober coach is somebody who helps people quit drinking sounds self-evident um, in the world that we live in now Uh, There's lots of things that are beyond AA and beyond um, in-person meetings because of the internet. So if you think back, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, the internet comes along, changes everything. And um, the sober world was a little slow to get going. I didn't find anything until like Mm 2012-ish. And then discovered that there was all kinds of resources available online that didn't require you to go to an AA meeting if you needed support to quit drinking. And so I found myself there looking for support to quit drinking. And that's where it started for me. Um, Okay. So I originally thought I would quit for a month. I was going to do something called Dry July, which is a fundraiser in Australia. But it's like the stop January, stoptober, you know, dry January, all the different things that exist now, but again in 2012, there were fewer options. There was something called Dry July, and I thought, yeah, you know, I can quit drinking for a month, Mm -hmm. no problem. And most people don't think they have a drinking problem. (laughs) I mean, we know that we drink, we know that we drink, and we know that we drink maybe slightly more often than we'd like, and we know that we make deals with ourselves to have one or two and then stop and find ourselves having more than we agreed, like more than the deal we made with ourselves. Oh, yeah. yeah. Most people can relate to that experience. And so then if you say, well, I don't have a drinking problem. I just drink one or two or three glasses a night and uh, most nights, uh, even if I just have one, but I'm still drinking most nights. And for me, it wasn't until I tried to quit that I realized how ingrained it was in my whole life. And that quitting for a month is actually way harder than you think it is, even for people who, quote, don't have a problem, right? Yeah. So, I got to about, I don't know, day seven or nine of this dry July. So, really, it's 31 days. You'd think you could hold your breath for 31 days. (laughs) Day seven, nine, I realized I'm not gonna make it. Like in my head, it was just arguing for the reasons why drinking was a good idea. And so, I knew that sober blogs existed. I had read a couple of other people's blogs and I thought, okay, I'm not gonna be able to do this. So, I started an anonymous blog myself called tired of thinking about drinking <laughs> and blog number one was i don't know what i'm doing i don't, I don't think i can do this, this is, i can't believe that this is so hard considering i don't have a problem quote unquote yeah and i kept stressing that right like i'm not an alcoholic of course i'm not but i can't it's still hard like this is really and i can't imagine it, and i don't know what to do what i didn't know was that this is again pre-facebook groups but when you blogged on WordPress and other people were blogging on WordPress, they were notified if somebody used the same tags. And so suddenly there were people on my anonymous blog saying, it's okay, it gets easier. And I'm like, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) There's people, there's like people out there. And it turns out there was maybe 15 of us, 20 of us blogging regularly. And that was in July of 2012.
0: So in that month, what did you find was helpful? Obviously starting a blog getting that conversation going find out there's people there did you make it and how long did you go and what happened from that point
1: uh I did make it um I got to the end well the, and I think the things that I learned though to answer your first question mm-hmm. is I learned that I wasn't alone which turns out to be a key component of sober support is that you need to know that you're not the only one doing this now If you went to an AA meeting, you would see other people in the room. But if you don't go to an AA meeting, then you can feel quite adrift. And so when you know that there's other people doing this, like I have a mailing list where people can sign up for free daily emails for me, and I have 25,000 people on that mailing list. Wow. So then I'll share bits and pieces of emails that I get from other subscribers, or I'll do a live call and there's, you know, 200 people listening live and they can see each other in the chat with anonymous screen names. It just makes it seem more real. So the idea that you're not alone turns out to actually be a huge component. The idea of accountability, just knowing that you're not alone. Accountability became a big piece of it. But then I got advice from people who are further along than me who said things like, Yeah, right around there. That's a hard day. But then this, then it gets better over here. And I'm like, oh, really? It's not going to suck like this forever. (laughs) And sort of like hope that it would improve and like a timeline, like what to expect and when. So I got to the end of the month. I decided to extend for a bit because I was feeling quite a bit better. I didn't realize, and there were a lot of benefits to quitting drinking that I didn't expect. Because again, I didn't have a problem. So I didn't expect that it would affect my sleep so positively. And I didn't realize that my anxiety was made worse by drinking. I thought I was drinking to help with my anxiety. And somewhere around, I mean, this this is going to sound ridiculous when I say it, but right around eight and a half months. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, I'm a girl who intended to quit for a month as an experiment. Yeah. I get to eight and a half months. And somebody else who's blogging is repeatedly getting a a new day one. Like she's convinced she has to quit Um, forever. Her life is a disaster. There's people reading my blog who are like me. And then there's people reading my blog who have more severe consequences from their drinking that I never expected that my, and I never expected anyone would read my blog and find it helpful. I was writing to help me. I didn't think then that somebody on day four would go back and start reading my stuff from the beginning. And it didn't occur to me that somebody who'd been to rehab would then read my stuff about being a high-bottom drinker, which is the expression we use. Low-bottom being someone with consequences from over-drinking. Okay. And a high-bottom being a person who hasn't had significant consequences, although I would count sleep and anxiety as consequences. Yeah. But I hadn't had a drinking-driving arrest, and I hadn't lost a job, for example. But it didn't occur to me that someone who had lost a job would read my blog and find it helpful So at about eight and a half months, there's this one girl over there drowning, basically up and down day two, day three, day one, day three, she couldn't get going. And I emailed her directly, like personally, not to publicly embarrass her. And I Mm -hmm. said, look, if you're finding it hard to quit forever, why don't you do a hundred day challenge and just quit for a hundred days? It's easier to do a shorter period of time. Yeah. So then she emails me and says, that sounds great. Can I just email you every day and tell you what day I'm on? Sounds fine. Then she posts on her blog and says, I'm doing Bell 100 Day Sober Challenge. And I'm like, no, you're not. No, no, you're not. Because there isn't one. No, 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 you're not. And then people started to email me. And they weren't the small group of bloggers. They were the readers and the non-commenters, what you would call lurkers now, right? Yeah. They were just reading, never commented. There, were, there was like, so I was shocked there was 15 people blogging. Then I was shocked that there was maybe 100 people commenting. I had no idea, I actually didn't know that other people struggled with this over drinking thing who didn't consider themselves alcoholics. I didn't know that there was a group of us and how would you know? Nobody talks about it. It's not on television. All you see on television is someone going to rehab or crashing their car. Going to AA, you don't see someone on television saying, you know, I'm drinking two glasses of wine a night every night and I can't skip a night. I wonder what would happen if I tried to have none. You don't see that. So out of the woodwork, literally out of nowhere at least in my mind, strangers start to email me and say I have been following your blog, I hear that you're doing a 100 days super challenge, can I do it too?
0: What were you actually what was you what was your kind of profession at that time? What were you doing because I know this kind of organically came around and and it sounds like but don't let me put words in your mouth. No. You that was your kind of like awakening moment, at least into this sober coach kind of sense and finding like you really found the no, path.
1: G- no, not at all. Like there was still a whole other, maybe another year yeah. of maybe even two years of before I would start to call myself a sober coach. But okay. I'm um, I was a, I'm a text designer. I do page layout for books, like yeah. eBooks and print books. And I'm a caterer. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> None of these things have anything to do with. But I would—I studied writing in school, so I'm a pretty good writer in terms of my daily emails and my blogs. And I studied to be a teacher when I was 20, and then didn't teach. So I know a few things about yeah. breaking large concept into smaller parts. Like the internet is a small place, especially in this subgroup. So they were referring each other, and more people showed up. And I made a joke with my husband, like, "Wouldn't it be hilarious if one day there was a hundred people doing the hundred-day supper challenge?" <laughs> and I can tell you that I worked one-on-one with 2,100 people wow. before I started to charge for it. I emailed back and forth every day with every person who emailed me.
0: What I like about that as well, though, is digging deep into a subject. Yeah, you're getting results and you're helping people, but really, you know, going for that level of mastery with working with a lot of people for right. quite a lot of time before you then you make it. Right, I think.
1: <laughs> well, because there's lots of sober coaches who have an N of one, which is themselves, mm-hmm. and they've taken an online certificate on how to be a life coach and have no experience with people who have different issues than they have. Like, for example, in the overdrinking world, it's very common to have combined with depression or anxiety. So I learned a lot about depression and overdrinking from communicating with people. I didn't have that experience myself. There's also a a large correlation with other compulsive behaviors like gambling or drugs, over-the-counter drugs, or opioids, or uh, spending, or eating disorders. But it's all the same voice. It's the voice that says, I need to do this one more time. I just got to do it one more time can take us to places that are not great. And I've sort of worked out that we can identify this voice and separate it out and learn what it says, this voice that I call Wolfie, but there's like a voice in our head that says, and again, I wouldn't have known this had I not worked with 2,100 people for free, Mm -hmm. that everybody hears the same thing. The same language, almost the same words. Drink now. What about now? How about now? It's five (laughs) o'clock, six o'clock. It's it's, it's a 10 a.m. On a, on a holiday. Well, I don't have that thing till 10 in the morning tomorrow, so I could probably have an extra drink tonight and, not, and like all of this noise, right? Yeah. I thought it was just me and that I was weak. I had no idea there were other people with the same voice. Nobody talks about it. And the consistent part that's shocking, I think too, that we want to point out is that the loud voice that thinks that drinking is a good idea is the same loud voice, whether you drink, drink two glasses of wine or two bottles of wine a night, it's the same voice with the same volume. So people say, is it harder to quit when you've had two glasses or two bottles? And I'm, what I've found is that it's similar, Mm. It's not as different as you think, which is why people found my blog and found it helpful.
0: And I have to cover briefly because I, I realized we didn't do it in the interview. It was before the interview. Where are you speaking to us from today? And oh. tell us briefly the, the journey because obviously people aren't going to be able to place where you are or um, the accent and things. So, <laughs>
1: um, I have a Canadian accent, uh, if, you're, if you can pick that up. And I live in Paris and we've been here for 11 years. Um, and my husband is French Canadian, so we live in a French speaking place, which is Paris, and we speak French at home. And the journey to do that had nothing to do with being sober. I quit drinking once we were already in Paris. Uh. We just happened to be here at the time when I realized that I wanted a break from drinking for a month. <laughs> Seven and a half years. I haven't had a drink. Now that and is shocking.
0: Yes, well, I, in terms of that shocking, I, as, the, as the interviewer, I want to dig in. When you say you haven't had a drink, I, I mean like what? A sip, a drop? Like no, where, where's the none. level? None. none. No. Now- yeah. I want to talk about this big time because, I mean, obviously, you definitely feel better and, and you know, you, you let it run from, you know, eight and a half months to seven and a half years. I suppose once, you, you know, a few years in and, you, you know, you're very obviously at that point, I'm assuming you're very confident that you don't need a drink. You're not going to, if you have one, slip into, you know, the, the old pattern and drinking a lot or regularly. And no, there's... but I am.
1: No, but I oh, am. Are you? This is what yes, I want to ask. This is, yes, exactly. No, I mean, I've watched people relapse repeatedly. I've okay. watched people have 13 years of sobriety and have one drink on vacation and then spend five years trying to get a new day one. Wow. wow. I've, and so I don't have to experience it myself.
0: I always thought of that more like, I suppose, the, you know, the full-on alcoholic. Of course. As opposed to of course. Technically, I'm still, you didn't have a problem? Or do you think you did have a problem? Or how much of a, again... Everyone's problems are different and it's hard to quantify. it, but.
1: Now I realize that I'm exactly the same as everybody else and mm. that the quantity might have been different, but the thinking was the same, which means it was going to trend in the wrong direction. There is alcoholism in my family. My first cousin died of this at age 39. Um, I'm not stupid. Like I knew where it was going. Yeah. Uh, That I hadn't progressed there um, doesn't mean anything because it was still really hard to Mm. quit. And so me, me emailing people and doing the work that I did in the beginning was also my sobriety insurance. Yeah. It reminded me what day one was like up close from people that I cared about. And it showed me what works and what doesn't work for them, which again, might work for me. And you know when you're a coach or a teacher, when you try to explain something, it makes it clear for you. So I actually think that like this saved me. Yeah. Right? And That's so emailing people- recap
0: and awareness. Yep. You know, if, if you're ever thinking, oh, oh, maybe one. And then you're like, literally that day you're, you're speaking or dealing with someone who's, who's just slipped over the edge. And it's a reminder you to, yep. basically. To not... But it is. Yeah. And that's,
1: that's awful, but it's true. And that's mm-hmm. one of the reasons why people who are sober stay a bit close to the sober world, even when you're sober long-term is because if you drift too far from reading somebody else's day one story, you'll forget that, that that's you, that that mm-hmm. could be you. I'll drink again in some future time like maybe when I retire in 25 years but in the meantime I can't play with that mm. because I don't know what will happen and I like my life now.
0: Yeah. That's right? the key that's the key thing. Yeah. I was with, I know you phrased it I think bottom up or t- bottom down or which way round I can't remember <laughs> but I'm really curious to talk because I think everyone's really Understands more like I say the full-on alcoholic it's the signs are really obvious and it's yep. it's clear that it's really bad for that Person and that it's right. not working but the person is it's more mild like you say you, at the time and originally you didn't think you had a problem It was just kind just of what you try it for a month and uh, you know I can even use myself as an example and I'm curious about someone who you know does not drink um, every night or even particular or even midweek now and then or even weekends And you've probably dealt with people like this. I've always had a fear of the little and often, like the every night sort of one little drink here and then I could, you know, that's never really appealed to me. I think because there's a fear of that because I just kind of put that in the kind of the subtle alcoholic category. Mm. Um, Generally, and I've got better of age, but when I do have a drink, it's quite a few.
1: Right. And that's, I think the the sort of the measurements, if you want to look at them, have to do with little and often, like frequency for sure. But also, once you begin, can you stop? Mm. And it's the just one more thing. I, I said I was only going to have three, but then I really had five. And then I went home and had another night shot. I had a, had a nightcap. And, you know, we drink in a restaurant, but then pick up a bottle on the way home. So not all of it is done in, in public where people yeah. can see us. And so if you have a weekend event where you might have one or two drinks, but it turns into four or five, and your intention was to have 2
0: mm. Yeah.
1: It's sort of like saying I intended to have a piece of cake and then I ate the cake. <laughs> I intended to eat a piece of chicken, but I ate the whole chicken. But I only do it once in a while. Does that count? It's like, Well, it's the same voice saying just one more. And I think the test is, can you go 30 days with none? Yeah, and what, and what happens to your head as soon as I suggest that? It's like, oh my God, I've got a drink at this event. How could I possibly go to a birthday, <laughs> a wedding, a christening, a funeral, a vacation without alcohol? And then we realize we've integrated alcohol into every event, positive or negative, Yeah, as a way of regulating our mood or dealing with anxiety or giving us courage or putting us to sleep. Mm-hmm. We don't learn any other skills. We just pour alcohol on our heads which is, you know, an addictive substance and it's a depressant.
0: Yeah. And when so, you said like the, the 30 day thing, I know some people's um, solution to that when they do these certain mumps and stuff is yeah. that they basically don't go outside.
1: Right. <laughs> and you know,
0: like and if voice. you
1: don't go outside, I mean, I didn't for the first six weeks sober, first yeah. six weeks sober, I probably socialized in a restaurant three times in the first six weeks. I just didn't, I couldn't count on myself, yeah. but then of course it gets easier. The problem is that most people then will relapse, will choose Mm -hmm. to drink and then go back to the beginning and are really angry that they have to go through the process again from the start. So it's sort of like planning to drive from Maine to San Francisco and getting partway down the driveway, realizing you can't see all the way to the end and pulling a U-turn and going home. Well, then when you start again, you got to start from home again. It's not like you just stall and pick up and keep going. You have to go back to the beginning again because a lot of the, voice in your head gets reactivated when you reintroduce the alcohol and you work like that's the thing that i didn't know was that the further away from day one i got the quieter the voice would get until it stopped asking mm-hmm. can i drink now my head doesn't ask that anymore i didn't ask that after about 60 days but i didn't know that someone had to tell me that now if you add in competing and conflicting difficulties like mental health issues that are unregulated, if you're a bipolar and you're not taking your medication, if, if you have an active eating disorder and you're binging and purging on a daily basis, there's other things here. But I've worked with all yeah. those people too. And I work on the alcohol part and there are other specialists work on their other parts. Yeah. Um, but okay. I think honestly, if you've got a depression or anxiety issue or a food issue, or you're not achieving what you want in your work, Because you've got foggy thinking and you're thinking about drinking. It's 6 o'clock. It's 5 o'clock. Like when you're sober, it doesn't matter if it's Friday. Friday's the same as Tuesday. It's a day you don't drink. So, you know, we're more likely to take on events that start at 7 a.m., which, you know, if you're drinking even a couple of drinks, it's hard to commit to 7 (laughs) a.m. Definitely. Right? I mean, the the 6 a.m. yoga on a Saturday morning, those are sober people. (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: right yeah
0: yeah that is not that is not hung over people right. and I, I, one thing has always uh, scared me and I've never never done personally is the old hair of the dog kind of solution which I just off the off the bat I thought that is an awful idea but I right. you know I've grown up with friends who have done that or yeah. <laughs> probably still do and also I mean uh, just any kind of am drinking that straight away I thought that's even if it's like a some special occasion as it yeah. always seems to be with these people I, that just seems an absolute alarm bell
1: Right. But I can tell you that an alarm bell also is to be sitting in a restaurant, enjoying a nice meal and a glass of wine, get up from the restaurant, walk across the street, buy a bottle to take it home and keep drinking when you get home. Oh, yeah. And then take a cup of alcohol to bed with you so you can drink in bed. Because why? Well, like what? So I can what? Enjoy the what? <laughs> the wallpaper? Like, I don't you know.
0: What? Oh yeah, exactly. I wonder, does it exist for you that someone who drinks now and then and they they, maybe they don't, have, they don't have a problem. I wanted to know your thoughts about that. Like, sure. Normal
1: drinkers first, exist? Sure. Yeah, that's what do, I wondered, yeah. Right. Just but like are that. they online looking up sober supports? No. And are they on my mailing list? No. No. So do I come in contact with them? No. Do, do I believe they exist? Sure. But let me say this really clearly to anybody listening, and I'll speak to them. I'm going to go just mm-hmm. step aside you for a second and speak <laughs> to, to, to the audience, okay? Most people are trying to figure out how to drink as much as they can not as little as they can. So most people, when they go out at night, when you go out at night, you're thinking, I got to get up at seven so I can have two drinks. Or we've got a sitter so I can have three. Or my mother-in-law's got the kids so we can drink starting at five. Or I'm on vacation in Hawaii, I can start drinking at 10. No one is trying to figure out how to drink the least they can manage. Almost everybody is trying to drink the most they can manage without consequences. Right, So we drink right up to the edge where the consequences are. We're not trying to figure out how to have none. We're not saying alcohol is not required for a happy life because it isn't. Most people are drinking as much as they can get away with without consequences. Now, you might decide everyone has their rules, right? You might decide I don't drink on weeknights. But then on the <laughs> weekend, I just go for it. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> right. But then, then you lose two days of the weekend.
0: Oh, 100%. It's you a, yes, consume you dumb need, money. You need, week, you need a weekend to recover yep. if you, you do spend,
1: You spend dumb money. You consume dumb, dumb calories. You're mm-hmm. more likely to argue with your spouse. There's lots of crying. There can be anger and violence, depending on, the, obviously, the drinking. If you think of the number of times police are called for drunk and disorderly. Oh, my goodness, yeah. Think of the number of times that someone is admitted to emergency or any, uh, where alcohol was involved. I mean, it's most, right? anybody who's out at two in the morning they're drinking they're like who, who's on the street <laughs> falling down at two in the morning uh, no no one like sober people are not out at two in the morning because you know why because after someone's third drink they're so boring <laughs> and loud and repetitive that we go home
0: oh my goodness
1: yeah. right you know what that's like you've oh. either witnessed it or yeah. you've been it because i've certainly <laughs> been it i think everyone yeah, at yeah. some point, yeah. right so people are like oh you don't have any fun it's like it's not fun to watch you overdrink. It's not, like my personal rule is someone can have two drinks and when they're reaching for the third, which again is a sign that it's gonna keep going. As Soon as mm. someone's reaching for their third drink, they've got nothing left to say as far as I'm concerned. Because of their ability to have a conversation where they're actually listening, and not just rebutting their next hilarious interjection, uh, <laughs> like really, I'm done. And you know, really, if dinner yeah. starts at, I don't know, it starts at like 730 in Europe, Nine thirty, ten o'clock like i'm ready to go home how long can this go on yeah. but if you're drinking you want it to keep going and you say things like oh you're going party pooper. come on just have one more let's have this go on a bit longer have you ever sat in a restaurant bought around for the table beside you just so that everybody would keep going i mean it it and it seems like it's sort of funny fun or funny until you talk to thousands of people and they're like oh i bet yeah. It's just, uh, it, and it's heart-wrenching. I mean, I have psychologists who use me as their sober support. I have single mother, three children under the age of 11, all three children on the autism spectrum. Um, I have um, a pilot. I have two psychiatrists. Psychiatrists, imagine how hard it is to get sober support, and then imagine you're a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. Who can you tell?
0: Well, this is is this helpful for people hearing this to just see, you know, it goes across the board. Oh my God, it's um, everybody. And, and it's every to age too.
1: Yeah. yeah. People will say to me like, what's the demographic of people following your site? And it's like anybody who thinks that uh, their head asks for alcohol. Well, who's that in particular? It's like, it's everybody. It's 26-ish to 75-ish, both genders. Also, you might think it's only the women online, happily blogging away. Not true. Mm. Probably. So interesting,
0: you mentioned this or the 26, uh, sort of the twenty six sort of as a marker upwards. Is it? Do you think before that it's so much the a culture in a lot of places? I mean, England especially, like, mm. as in growing mm. up, that it's that it's just such a kind of a norm that people, even if they believe they may have a problem, they think they deal with it or they grow out of it naturally.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of binge drinking in a young age. And a lot of those kids end up in A and E having their stomach pumped or being in a fight or falling and getting mm-hmm. stitches, uh, but they feel like they're they are cornered. they can't quit because of the social environment they're in. They're living in residence, they're at uni, they can't quit easily without they feel getting a lot of pushback. And then you have I literally have 71 year- olds who can't see their grandchildren because granny's always drunk, mm-hmm. and so the, the kids will not leave. The, the grandchildren with her because they can't count on her to be sober and she'll email me and say, can you help me? I need to see my grandchildren. Now that's one person. The next person emails me and says, I think my marriage is in trouble, but I need to be sober first because I can't tell how much of this is me.
0: That, that is a great point.
1: Right? Wow. Yeah. Uh, I'm having trouble dating the wrong idiot over and over again. <laughs> And I say, how about if you try a longer period of time sober, figure out who you are, figure out who you need before you reintroduce idiots into your life because you're going to pick a completely different kind of person when you're sober than you do when you're drinking. And nobody talks about this. So when I hear from someone that they put vodka in their water bottle or they put rum and coke in their coffee cup and they took it to soccer practice because soccer practice is so boring, whether watching their kid run around the field I've, in the rain. I've
0: heard stuff like that as well. Right?
1: But you know, you hear that and you go, oh, I would never. And then there's hundreds of people saying, oh yeah, I did that. Oh yeah, I did that. And then when you realize you're not alone, it's like, oh, but she stopped doing it. Maybe I could stop doing it.
0: So Belle, this time has absolutely flown, but I just want to <laughs> wrap this up. This has been such an interesting- We could
1: talk for another hour and a half.
0: I know we really could. <laughs> I wouldn't be doing my job if we did that. <laughs> yeah. so, Like to finish off a bit of an alpha round. So, is there a particular quote that is either your approach to life or just a favorite quote?
1: If what you've been doing isn't working and you're not getting the results that you want, it's not about trying harder, it's about trying different.
0: Has there been a particularly impactful book for you over your life?
1: Uh, This will date me, of course. Uh, The Tony Robbins book. Awaken the Fire Within. That's Awaken really the, the Giant Within. Anyway. Uh, yes. Okay, yeah, that's I it. it. I yes. can
0: see it. I just look sideways. I know that one. Yes.
1: Um, I think that book helped me move uh, cities when I was feeling stuck. And I think that book had me make a list of things up with which I will not put. And mm-hmm. um, repeatedly promising myself that I would drink less was on that list for years. I'm not saying that it's a masterpiece, yeah. but it was the right book for me at the right time. Yep
0: from your huge network and all the people you've come in contact with by any means it could have been people interviewing you and other podcasts is there anyone who you think would would make a great interview for the awaken your alpha podcast
1: peter king okay Peter King interviewed me, he's, I think his podcast is PK Experience, but he basically interviews people who make an impact, and he interviewed me, and it was one of the best interviews that I've ever had, where he actually was on my list for a while, followed my stuff, knew my jargon, and then, like, listened. Like you have, actually. Not not many interviewers actually listen. (laughs) They're really, really interested in talking about themselves, and so... So I would say that, uh, I would say that Peter King was probably the, one of the best interviews I've had in the last year.
0: I'm so well, happy well. to
1: actually email him or you, if you want to do that yes, offline, I'm yes, happy to that do that. Is, that yeah. Brilliant. Yeah.
0: And finally, if people want to connect with you, continue the conversation, what's the best way to do so?
1: Well, I'm available to be a guest on any podcast. I never say no. And I really never say no. I can talk about the sober stuff, the coaching stuff or the business side of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, tired of thinking about drinking.com is the website. And my email is tiredofdrinking at gmail.com. Awesome.
0: Well, it's been an absolute pleasure today. Thank you so much for taking the time.
1: Thank you. It's been great. The Be Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Live limitless.
0: This podcast is brought to you by The Talk Accelerator, helping thought leaders increase influence, income, and impact by achieving their talk. The Talk Accelerator program. How to secure and smash your own TEDx talk. If you'd like to find out more about how you can get onto the red spot, please do head over to talkaccelerator.com. That's talkxcelerator.com. You can also book in your complimentary idea clarity call there to talk through any potential ideas you may have. What is your idea worth sharing? I'd love to hear about it and I'd love to speak with you very soon.